In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. and gentlemen happy mlk day i hope that you are inspired by a man who went to the mountaintop and had a dream and i hope that every single one of you listening to this 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 has a dream 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 dream. i hope you go to the mountaintop i hope you can look down and see the ways in which the world is willing to help you mlk had a dream i got a dream jason's got a dream and if you're listening to this Know your dream. Start working on it. Take baby steps towards it, man, and they'll start working out, and you can inspire people. Jason Sheffield, an incredible individual, a leader, a speaker, a coach, someone who sees the world in a different way, who is out helping people, making the world different. He's an awesome father, an awesome human being, and a great friend. So Jason Sheffield, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm well, George. It's good to be back. It's been a minute. Man, I think it's been about a year, man. Right around there, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say in that uh, little promo video you dropped, you can tell by the the stages of hair length of where we're at and how often we're connecting. <laughs> yeah, man, it was. Uh, I had to go back and I'm like, I know I got some videos of Jason somewhere, and I went back and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is, right there. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I try to embrace like the the art of manliness in there, the chasing down mm. your dreams. Failing and getting up, and and I kind of tried to throw some masculinity mixed up with some human design in there, man. What'd you think? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I, although the the Asian flow that like came through, I was like, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, but maybe it's an alter uh, personality that I'm I'm unaware of so far. You know what? I think it's my 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 wife's Laotian, and so like I've I've really embraced. And I'm here in Hawaii. There's a really big mm. influence of just that particular Asian, different Asian cultures and like this different melting pot. So I think that that just permeates my, my essence and my being nowadays. So love it. <laughs> I lo- it's always interesting to see yourself through that lens of like, what would you look like? Uh, is it? Yeah. But yeah. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I, um, you know, it's, it is interesting to see the way the world is changing and, and, and the things different people have been working on. 
what have you been working on lately, man? What what's been oh, changing yeah. on in your life? Yeah, I've uh this probably last year, obviously I've done a lot of work with men. Um, 2023 was a big year of just doing a lot of, of one-on-one work. I probably guided over a dozen men, um, really taking them some deep waters, learning a bunch. Uh, I've launched a, a community group here in Colorado Springs of guys getting together, drinking coffee. Every Friday, we get probably between 20 to 30 dudes show up yeah. to uh, to drink coffee together, many of them going through various transitions in their lives looking to you know integrate their experiences with the plant medicines and just kind of that's the the main commonality and uh i've also in 2023 it wasn't on my bingo card uh list uh, of things to do but it ended up coming through and that was getting a certification in human design which today i know we're going to dive in a little bit more because that has probably become um one of the most important tools that i have ever looked at, dug into, begun to understand. I've been studying it now for probably close to two years, but it was time to like really kind of get formal with it, go through a proper certification program, dig into it and, uh, and begin to see how this tool can be of service to other people. It's fascinating. I see it coming up a lot. Like I've spoken to quite a few people that are manifesting generators or a three, five, you know, yeah. or, you know, I, and I, on some level, I feel like it's calling to me because I see so many people that are interested in it. And I, I've heard so many great things about it, man. Let's jump into this thing, man. Like, first off, what is it? How did you how did you get drawn to it? Like, what was mm. it? Yeah, so I have studied a lot of various personality tools over the years. Okay. Um, you know, the classic ones like the disc profile. Right. That's probably one of the first things I got into and understood that I had a proclivity for people. I was an I in the disc profile. And then after digging into disc, you know, just kind of continued to evolve until I came into the Enneagram, which I probably started studying the Enneagram uh, over a decade ago. It's probably 2010, 2011 that I really started to get into to that tool and really absolutely loved it. It's a beautiful system for anybody that's familiar with it. Um, it's a great way of being able to understand yourself. And so I went deep into the Enneagram. Again, I've always loved these various ways of helping expose elements of who you are, whether it's shadow work, whether it's personality driven. Um, and then it, my partner, Tiffany, was quite into astrology when we met. And I had never studied astrology Frankly, I thought a lot of it was bullshit. I was like, horoscopes, don't tell me. Like, I'm a Sag. What does that even mean? <laughs> I'm a triple sun, fire, water. I'm like, it's just so much nomenclature and various things. That, and, and I and I just didn't really understand it. And frankly, I I was challenged by the idea that, you know, the the planets and the stars could influence who I am as a human being. Uh, that was a bit of a jump for me. But I started to dig into human design, which uses an element of astrology, and we can get down into like what it is. But as I started to dig into human design, and I looked at my design, um, and I I went deeper, I realized, oh my goodness, this is like spot on. Like I've never found a tool that has told, like helped me have a better sense of who I am. And a lot of times, the best way to understand human design at its highest level is a language. Um, it's a language of of self discovery. It's a language of self understanding. 
Um, and so as I started to dig into it, I started to do my own personal study with it. Then I invested in other people doing you know, chart readings, um, sitting down and learning from that. And then it got to that place where it was like, I needed to do the deep dive and invested into like a full on, you know, I, I don't I think it was like 12 weeks of, you know, deep, deep, intensive study. And again, that was just continuing to scratch the surface, but deeper in my knowledge base of kind of what it is and how it works. Wow. Yeah, it seems to me that there is a there's big changes happening on the planet. And I think a lot of people feel them, you know, and it, if you don't feel them, all you need to do is look around and see the things that are bubbling to the surface and the raw emotion that's out there and the events that are happening, whether it's an election year or whether it's a genocide that's happening or, you know, people rioting around the world, the same way in which the Arab spring happened. So too, do we see a world spring where people mm -hmm. are beginning to stand up for, who they are and what they believe in and the power structures are changing and i think that i bring up all of that because it seems to me that human design seems to be entering at this same time it's it's mm. there's a there's a strange connection there for me wait do you think these two things are connected oh 100 um so human design came came into the the knowledge was downloaded to raw the founder of human design in uh, 89. So when you look at the, the landscape of tools that are out there, it's relatively young. And yet it's built on about five modalities that are both new in its understanding, like quantum mechanics, um, all the way down to some of the most ancient tools that have been used for one self-knowing, like astrology and the Chinese I Ching, the chakra centers, the cabal tree of life. So one of the things that just I've loved about studying human design is that it's built on a lot of these mystery schools mm -hmm. that were in different parts of the world. And Ra basically took all of these and combined them into one system, which is just mind blowing that we live in a reality where you could take these ancient, you know, Chinese wisdoms and Western and various elements of the Eastern and say, when we combine all these things together, it actually tells a consistent story. It's not about this or that, but it's actually this blending. And out of that, Ra definitely, you know, it had some prophecies, if we want to call it such. I, I, I don't like using those terms sometimes because mm -hmm. it's very evident. Anyone that's listening right now, first and foremost here, human design is not a religion. It's not a cult. It's not any of that stuff. Ra had zero desire or whatever for it ever to be that. Human design is simply the science of human differentiation, and it's an experiment. And that's the key thing for people to always remember is that when you come into understanding your design, when you come into understanding what's there, it's about experimenting with it. And I would highly recommend anyone that has ever had a reading done or if you're ever interested in like having sessions with people, is it's not about being told who you are. It's about you affirming the experience of what's there. And ultimately, you're unique. No one else has ever lived your your design, George. Like, yes, there's these big groupings and we can talk about them and, and what they all mean. But at the end of the day, the uniqueness of what's going on in your chart, no other human being on this planet has lived. So you ultimately get to be the one to talk about what that experience is like. And as you lean into that experience, finding uh, new ways of talking about it 
which I found can be really helpful when it comes to the path of self-discovery, when it comes to the path of integrating. You know, I've done a lot of plant medicine work. We've talked about that stuff in the past. I've yet to find something like human design that has helped me integrate some of that stuff on such a deep level um, and to be able to kind of take it through to the day in and day out type of experiences. Wow. Some bold statements, my friend. It's it sounds so, to me. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, all of that said to say, one of the things that is often talked about in human design is a shift that's taking place at 2027. So we're like a two, three years out, that there will be a shift in the design of how human beings work. Um, and there will be kind of, they literally are talked about as a new, a new type of human, which will be called raves. Um, and it will be a human that is totally connected to their emotional center. So like right now, again, every human is, is got these various elements that are going to be different, but there's going to be a time coming where everybody that's born 2027 and after for a couple hundred years, like this is a, a serious chunk of time, will all have the ability to be directly connected to their emotions, which means we will be an emotionally driven society. There's a shift taking. Uh, happening. And part of what's happening is over the last 200 plus years, since about the 1700s, we've been living in an age where it's all about the systems and structures. And people have been giving away their power to that system and structure. With the shift of really knowing one's emotional authority, you don't need a system or structure to tell you what's going on. You know it. So we're going to see a pretty significant shift happen where people are going to stop believing in the systems and they're going to really start owning their own emotional authority and individualism, which is going to cause, you know, I think the underlining element of some of the big stuff that that's changing. Do you think, first off, let me just say this. Wow. I, it blows my mind to think about the way in which a world might look when people didn't find the need for external validation to make them feel something like that is mind blowing to me. And I, I can kind of see that shift already. Just mm -hmm. first off, how do you know about this shift in 2027? And number two, is it, is it that the next generation of human will be like that? Or are people already beginning to shift the way they feel like that? Or, or do you even know? So uh, the 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 mechanics behind it is all math. So that's what's fun about this. Again, you can get into like the science, like if you're into like quantum mechanics, you can start getting into this stuff and really digging into like the why this works and how some of the stuff works on the quantum realm. But again, some of this is built off of the astrology. And astrology, one of the elements that I, I really do enjoy around what it is, is that it is... Um, was was pre, pre, predestined maybe is the word I want to use mm -hmm. because we know where the plants are going to be always, right? We can see the cycle. The cycle never changes. So there are elements that are always at play and shifting. And we know we're at a time of a turn of the ages. It's mm -hmm. the, it's the, the thing that I, I continue to why I sense all of this stuff beginning to shift around us is it, we are on a 2,000-year clock. Every 2,000 years, there is a shift, a new age that is beginning. And we're on the, the precipice of an old age coming out, a new age coming in. 
most likely in our lifetime, we won't get to see what the new age looks like. It's just part of the reality. We got to all kind of understand that, that like we'll get to be participants in ways that is be. <coughs> excuse me, the ways that it's beginning to get expressed, but it's still a hundred years out. Like that's how slow this stuff works, but it's happening and, it, and it's happening right before our eyes, a, a shift of ages. Okay. I got to, I got to hang on one second. I got a book that I want to show everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I appreciate everybody's patience and those listening. Uh, hope you found something to do for that one second. Uh, I got since we were talking about the the um the quantum mechanics of it. Uh, this week I'm gonna have uh, Shanaz Sony on with Anya Zebert. Shanaz is a is a NASA aero you know, rocket scientist. And she's written this mm. book. It's called uh, the quantum being. And so I think it really dovetails nice what you were talking about, the quantum mechanics behind it and the way in which the, the planet and the heavenly bodies act as a clock that rolls around heavens that we can see these changes. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about it from that angle. And I, I get inspired to think that even though we may not be here in a hundred years to see the changes, on some level, we get to be the people that those people look back to and be like, wow, they were right in the middle of it. They had a foot in both worlds. I wonder what that was like. You know, that seems pretty interesting to me. When when we look at history, and at least the way that we, we right. see it today, you go back to those times when you see the shifts happening. And it's so fascinating to, to think about what would it have been like to be in that. And, and we're there. We're living in one of those those times. And I think it, it, it is going to have its challenges. I think a lot of people are not going to be ready for a, a new shift to, to take place. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm highly optimistic that while yes, it could be difficult. And yes, there are those that are going to, they're going to have a, a struggle with it. There's going to be war. There's going to be, there's going to be changes. Yeah. <clears throat> at the end of the day, those of us that are paying attention to our wisdom, that are paying attention to what it is that we're bringing, the gifts that we're offering to those, I believe it, it's going to be deeply powerful. And we're going to see, you know, truly history happening right before our eyes. And sometimes I think the struggle of that is we don't actually have a clue of what's going on. We can't. It, it's too big. It's happening before our eyes. And just like anything, when it's happening before your eyes, you don't have the whole picture. So there's a sense of just humility that I believe is all is needed by a lot of us. That even though, yes, we're we're talking about these things like predictive elements and things happening in 2027, we still don't know. We we don't have any clue as to actually what it's gonna look like. And so just to to be at peace with that and and to let go of that can be a, a bit of a challenge. Man, that's so fractal in nature. I think for myself included and so many people that are listening or living their lives, we have this relationship with uncertainty that's been conditioned in us since we were kids. You know, this idea that you have to you have to do you have to check off all these boxes if you want to make it in life. You have to go to school, mm -hmm. you have to learn these things. Here's all these cardboard cutout things that you can do if you want to be safe. And you got to yeah. work for this long, and you got to pay into this, and you got to buy this house, you got to have these kids and like you know, for so long, and maybe it's the time we're in, there was this idea that safety and this idea that there's these certain things that you can do to be certain. But the truth is you can never be certain. 
And maybe that's where people can find comfort is in realizing you, nobody knows. You don't know. I don't know. The authorities don't know. Presidents know. Prime ministers don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. They're all just kind of putting their best guests forward and hoping people will believe them. And if people can mm -hmm. begin to understand that, I think they can begin to believe in themselves and have that beginning of tying your life and your success to inner validation instead of that outer validation that we were talking about a long time ago. But it's it's crazy to think about. I love it, man. And and I think again, just this is where design yeah. is so fascinating, is because we can begin to peel back the layers of conditioning, and we can see how on a societal level, so many of us are being conditioned in specific ways, and, and your your body graph, as it's called, will help you key into areas where you're susceptible to conditioning. Because all of us are. Every human being is susceptible to conditioning. We have areas where we're, we know ourselves and we have areas where the mind can take over and tell us what's going on. And as you know, whether again, you've done plant medicine work, you've done shadow work, you've done any of these things, the whole point is often to get to the place of understanding the true self versus what is the ego or what is the not self communicating. And design becomes a, a practice of being able to pay attention to that not self voice. You know, Ra talked about the body being the vehicle. It is the intelligence. Mm -hmm. Everything that we need is sitting here. And yet the not self is going to tell us that our mind is really the one that's in control. So our mind takes over. Our mind tells us the stories. Our mind is the thing that is easy to be conditioned. And so we have to begin to unravel some of that and go through the process of deconditioning to take back our own sovereignty. Because at the end of the day, whatever the practice might be, that is the key that I see that connects everything is you are a sovereign being and can you can understand the power that you hold? And the moment you tap into that power that you have, everything in life begins to shift. You begin to living in alignment with who you are, your energy flow changes, we begin to live on, on our path's purpose. We have a sense of what that is. And it becomes our experience. So therefore, it becomes knowledge because we've done it versus just book smarts or something that we read. There's a, such a difference there. And that's one thing I love about design as well is it becomes experiential. Yeah. And it seems to me that once you begin to read and digest a profile about you, you and you alone get to be the judge of that. And you can look back and be like, this is bullshit. Or you could be like, wow, this is really incredible. This, this makes a lot of sense to me. So maybe that being said, man, maybe we should give people, let's dive into this thing, man. Maybe we can do some real one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's figure it out, man. I would love people to be part of this experience going forward. I've never done this mm -hmm. before and I'm looking forward to learning. And I hope people that are watching can, can get to make a decision and see what this is all about, man. Yeah. And, and just to kind of clue everyone in, one of the things George and I talked about was what if we did a kind of session together where we dive into George's chart? Anyone that's listening, if you guys have been following George for a while, we've gotten to experience his personality. We get to see the way that he shows up in interviews, the way that his insatiable knowledge is always driving things forward. And, uh, and so since we all kind of get to see that side of George, what would it look like to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit and understand a little bit deeper about who, who you are, George? And so, again, obviously, I want to share some pieces that are important to me as well as we get in anything that I can connect with in my own design. So 
we can talk about each other's charts in any way that that we want. Um, but yeah, want to dive in and kind of get a sense of, of where things are at it and then give people a sense also of, of what happens when you begin to kind of clue into that. So um, to kick it off, George, I, I would first love to know right now, okay. kind of where you're at in life, what are, what are three things that you really appreciate about yourself that you really have a sense of, of who you are and that just, yeah, you really appreciate? Well, it's a, those are great questions, man. And thank you. Thank you. For, thank you for doing this. And um, it's really cool to do a, something live that can that can people can see and judge me, even though it's a little scary. However, <laughs> what one thing that I'm really proud of is being having the courage to stand up for what I think is right, regardless of the consequences. Mm. Obviously, there's things in my life that like my family, like my daughter and my wife, these are the most important things to me. But because they're the most important things to me, I'm willing to walk away from large amounts of money. I'm willing to walk away from, from authority. And so, and that, that for me, that's hard to do. Like I, and I, it's probably hard for a lot of people to do, to stand up for what you believe in because it's right and you don't want your kid to do it or you want your mm -hmm. wife to love you more. So you try to do the right thing. So like, I think there's a rebellious part of me that I really love that, that stands up to authority. I love learning and seeking and, and reading and understanding. So a quest for knowledge would probably be a second thing for me. Like I, I'm drawn to mysteries. Like I, I have to figure them out. Like my mind does not stop until I can get a more coherent picture of what's happening. And that, that happens to be with human behavior as well. Like I just want to know why, like, why did that person do that? Like why, why I don't understand why, like why to mm. me is something I love about myself. It's like, I always want to know why it's like this, this insatiable curiosity, I guess, on some level. And the third thing I love is my ability to, to empathize with people and see myself in their position. Like, I love that about it. And I, on some level, I feel like I can experience what they're going through. And, and I, those are three things that I, I really love about it. And then I guess if I had to name three rough areas in my life that were difficult for me, it would be not taking care of myself on a level in which I, I care about other people sometimes. Like I tend to neglect the important parts about me so that I can invest in someone else's dream or I can go deep into someone else or I can go deep into something else and kind of forget about me. And I, as I get older, that becomes a problem. Like I mm. should, I should take better care of myself and in, in, in all areas there. Another thing for me is, is trust. Like I have a bit of a trust issue. You know, I felt when I was younger, I was abandoned by not only my family, but when I look back at generational trauma, I can see that both of my parents were abandoned. And so I think I carry the, the scar of inability to trust that comes from abandonment. And another, the other part that I, that I have part that is difficult for me is, is being grounded. Like I, I steer out of reality so much, whatever reality is. Like I, I live in a different world and a lot of people that love me are constantly like, we need you here, George. Like I, it's really easy for me to neglect, you know, things that have to get done, like bills and all these other crazy mm -hmm. things. Cause I want to live in this other world, you know, and maybe it's fantasy, maybe it's, projection or maybe it's something bigger than that but yeah those are those are three and three man how did how does that fit or is that enough or what do you think 
It's great. Yeah, that's there's there's no right answer in any of this, George. Awesome, man. <laughs> I, but uh, I appreciate that. I feel like it kind of um, yeah. As we get into this, kind of begins to to set some of the framework of looking at at a, at your design. Now, just a couple kind of elements that I think are important to remember when we start looking at at design is one. There's a lot of information that can come at you, and so my goal isn't just to like give you information today, but actually to maybe find one or two things that really clue into maybe some new language to think about for yourself. And again, let it just wash over you, right? The first time anyone, you know, again, anyone listening to when you first start getting into your human design and how to work with it, you, you're gonna maybe your mind will attach to one or two things. You'll probably forget a lot of other parts of it. So one, this is obviously recorded, so we can always come back to it. But two, it's the beginning of a path, right? Like I mentioned earlier, I've been on this for the last two and a half years, and I'm constantly learning new things, constantly digging in deeper, constantly finding um, out new pieces. Because like we said, when we started, this is looking at five different modalities to, to understanding yourself. And so um, while yes, it's all about your individual uniqueness, there's, there's groupings that we can look at. So uh, we'll break down today kind of the highest level of, of, of these groupings that are important for your design. And again, see how they land, how do they fit for you, and kind of think about that moving forward. So just like there's blood types, right? There's B positive or O That's negative. Um, and, and that type drives who you are, right? If you're a B positive and you put O negative blood in, you're dead. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but that B positive is made up of millions of individual cells. And so when we look at human design, it starts first and foremost with your type. And types are broken down into five. There are five types that are, that are present. So the first type are generators. And generators make up 70% of the population. So the majority of, of us human beings are designed as generators. Then about 20% of the population are projectors. 8% of the population are, gener are, are manifestors. And then there's 1% of the population that's called a reflector. Reflectors are very rare. You don't meet them very often, although I have interacted with a handful of them. And their, their world is just very different. And then within the generators, there's a subcategory called manifesting generators that kind of sits on the edge of being a, a generator and a manifester. So that's the five groupings that are out there. And George, you are a generator. So again, the majority of people that are out there are generators, right? And yeah. Now again, remember, there is no positive, negative, good, bad in the chart. It's never about that. Again, if our mind attaches to like, oh, I want to be that or I want to be this, that's just our conditioning that something is better than what I currently am. So it's always a practice to come back and just absorb you and, and be willing to sit with that without a sense of judgment. So when it comes to being a generator, uh, a couple of things that I think are just really important about what that is, is it, it means you are a sacredly defined human being. Now, I'm going to show you a chart here in a minute. Uh, to be able to kind of break some of this down, but just listen to it before we visualize it. Yeah. But your sacral center is the engine that runs the entire chart. It is a untapped uh, resource that drives your desire to do work. So that's partly probably why 70% of the population are generators uh, is because we're here to, to work. Now, 
we're not here to be slaves. We're not here to be a cog in the machine. And frankly, what ends up happening often is we can be conditioned to do so. So when you look at society as a whole, a lot of people are being kind of used in their generator energy for work um, because it's always there for them, but it's not in alignment to their life's path. So we have to first and, under, first and foremost understand that, <coughs> that as generators, you have sustainable energy. You also have an inner GPS of just knowing because this center is going to guide you. It's going to give you a sense. Uh, and that leads into what your strategy is. Uh, and your strategy is to respond. And this is where it can get a little hard for generators because responding can cause some frustration. Because literally what that means is everything that you do in life is going to be in response. Meaning, is it a yes or is it a no? Yes, no becomes the most important question that you can ask yourself. So I want to pause there. How's that yeah. resonating? What's landing before we, we dig any deeper? It's fascinating. I'm just trying to take it all in and decide if I want to say yes or no as a generator. <laughs> <laughs> so that that energy of response is so fascinating because like, your sacral center is literally the bed of creativity. The way I look at it is it's like a garden bed. And the garden bed is in utter response to whatever's planted into it, right? That's all it does. The garden bed is the place that life is created. It is the sustaining energy for everything that'll come out of it. But ultimately, the garden bed has some sense of authority of, yes, is this going to grow? Or no, is this going to grow? And that's ultimately, as generators, the driving thing that we're leaning into in life is, is this going to be something that I want to grow? Is this a yes? It is the place for all sexuality. It is the place for all creativity. It is the place that has the sustainable energy to do so. Um, and so kind of coming off of that, it drives everything else in your chart. So that is probably one of the most important things that everything else will be determined first and foremost by understanding what does it mean to to be a generator and to be um, you know sacredly defined. So questions yeah. on that? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've I I know in my family we we have a history of uh, manic depressive, and I think that that could be even in myself, I can see echoes of it. And I think that that can be something that is, that is um, related to a yes, no. Like mm -hmm. when I look at projects I'm involved in now, it's like, yeah, I want to do that. And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And when I, when my yes becomes a no, I get physically sick almost. Like I get to this level of stress where like, I, I cannot do it. This is killing me. It's ruining my family. I'm like, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't. Like, this is somebody else's thing. I'm not going to, I can't. So it does make sense. And then when there is something like my yes is my podcast, it's my family. And like these mm -hmm. things will definitely grow if I continue to feed them. And I, I'm driven towards them. It's, it is the, the seedling becoming, it's the, it's the acorn in the oak tree or the oak tree in the acorn. So yeah, that, that, that resonates with mm -hmm. me. And I think that there's some, there's some validity to, to human um, to my family, as far as mental awareness. Yeah. And 
And and you touch on something that so many generators communicate in their experience, which is what happens when your yes becomes a no. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we're kind of wired for the yes, right? So like yeah. an unkept garden bed, it will grow everything that's put in it, right? Yeah. So there is that sense of cultivating and taking out and and what is right to be grown and what's not right to be grown. But we get conditioned, again, as we were talking about, what are these ways that we're conditioned? Our energy can get hijacked because other people know they 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 can sense this capacity that, well, George always says yes, yeah. or George shows up, George is going to do this. And so because we're in that authority of responding and and what's coming at us, it feels better to say yes than it does no. We get like a little dopamine hit from saying yes. So often when the thing comes in, we have to sit with, is it a yes or is it a no? And so part of the practice of first and foremost, understanding what it means to be a generator is to begin thinking about what are the yeses and what are the nos. And you touched on something that is really the source of it all. And it's your joy. It's being able to, to sit and with yourself and say, what brings me joy? Because it is that joy that's going to drive a sustainable yes. If there's something that comes in that's not a joy, sure, sometimes we got to do the bills. Sometimes we got to do the things that aren't like necessarily right. the joy. But if we're depleted and we're not giving any priority to the joy, then all that other stuff becomes shoulds and we're never going to touch it. And that's a thing I think I see a lot of generators get stuck with is the shoulds are piling up. They have no, they, they're getting burnt out. Now, again, just because we have sustainable energy doesn't mean we can't burn out. We can absolutely burn out if all of our energy is going towards no's that, that are not giving us any joy. So we have to sit and prioritize and think, what, what are the joys, right? So you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned the family, right? The, these things that bring you joy. And as long as you're saying yes to those, it will give you sustainable energy to handle the other stuff that comes in. But only if it's coming from a place of overflow. So we always have to think about our joy for others, our, our work for others comes from a place of overflow. Otherwise, it's going to deplete us and we're going to yeah. lean into burnout. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that, that T again, we're going to, we'll keep coming back to like, what is, what is the generator? What does that mean? But your, your authority as well is your sacral. So Everybody has an authority type, um, different centers. There's a total of nine centers um, are going to be at play. And when you think about all of the centers, they, they provide a, a various levels of authority and your sacral is the authority. So at the end of the day, again, you, you, how you make decisions, your authority and decision-making is yes, no. And so when it when something comes in, we have to sit with, it's like an almost instantaneous type of question. So for example, open-ended questions are not easy for generators to answer. <laughs> so you know, if your wife is asking you some things or just wanting, like, what do you want for dinner tonight, right? Open-ended question. I, I don't know, like, what do you want for dinner, right? <laughs> like we just, we like struggle for answering that. But if it's like, do you want Mexican? Yes, no. Do you want Thai? Yes, no. Do you want like... When we can tap into yes, no questions, we can begin to go down the path of really thinking through what it is we want. If it's left to being open-ended, we're always going to struggle with that. Have you have you felt that before? Like the struggle of an open-ended question? 
Yeah, for me, language is important. Like, I want to know what words you're using and, like, what exactly the meaning of that word is. And, like, you know, if, if something is really straight to the point, like, I'm always guessing, what do they mean by that? Or especially words. Like, when someone says, do you want Mexican? It's like, do you want, like, traditional Mexican? Or do you want, like, Taco Bell Mexican? What kind of Mexican are we talking about here? <laughs> So specific questions will be more like specific yes, no's are more supportive to you. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not a, on some level, like I don't like the yes, no question. I think it's, I think it's like a false paradigm. It's like a false choice. Mm. You know, it seems to me when people say things like yes or no, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Like that's a red flag to me. That means like you want to trap me in one of these two questions right here. And I don't want it. I don't like that. So interesting. You know, yeah, that that's where I fall on those. So I, it, it, I think questions like that, I think most questions for me are difficult to answer because I want to think about them for a long time and I want to be like, mm, I don't know. I could see that other person's point of view. So that could be, I don't know, maybe that's unique to me. Yeah, well, and again, I think this is always these areas of where have our lives experienced kind right. of conditioned us, right? Yeah. So, because what is it about, uh, a yes, no, does, does it feel entrapping for you? Like now yeah. you're committed to something and you don't necessarily exactly. know. That's exactly it. Like, I think it's, I've said yes to so many things that like, and then I, and then I, yeah, I can do that. And then it's like, you get halfway down the road and you're like, this sucks. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So that makes me not want to say yes ever again, even though I still do. It makes me want to like really think about what are you saying yes to? And it makes me not want to commit to things when people come up with a pitch or when people come up to you with something, you know? So yeah, so I think that that's like, there. You're, you're, you've been so like your, your yes, no has been abused yeah. by others. And what ends up can, happening in that is if we've said yes to a lot of things that aren't in alignment to us, they're actually no's then it's going to condition us to not want to say yes or no anymore. And yeah. frankly, what ends up happening through that is your authority, the thing that gives you the most power in making a decision has actually, you're not giving a voice to because of the, either the, whether there's fear of like saying yes to something that's actually a no. Uh, and so it's a, a process there of getting back to the place of, can you actually only say yes to the things that you want? And yeah. no to everything else. That, that's hard for me. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that's it, right? That's that's yeah. the struggle for a lot of, of generators. But but that's gonna be, you know, just first and foremost, like that's part of the path for you is getting to the place of how do you say yes to the things that are your joys? Um, so again, I'm a manifesting generator. But first and foremost, I'm a generator. So uh, this, I have to play by the same rules of responding. And what are my yeses and what are my nos? And I went through a practice of thinking through what are my, what are the things that bring me joy in life? Like what are the things that are just like always a yes? And I identified six things that bring me joy. So a few of them, just to kind of yeah. how I went through this process. Number one, it was spirituality. I love spirit. I love engaging with the concepts of spirituality. What is the path of spirituality and all of its forms? So anything that has to deal with spirituality is a yes for me. And it's going to look a lot of different ways, but that's a yes. 
Two, teaching. I love to teach and, and communicate. So anything that's in, a, in an area of teaching is a joy for me. Deep conversations, right? Getting into these types of conversations. Yeah. A yes. I love stepping in to the depth of conversation with other human beings. Uh, fathering is a yes. I absolutely love showing up and fathering my children. Uh, my partnership with Tiffany is a yes. My, that Our relationship is an absolute yes for me. And then music, right, is a yes. I absolutely just love listening to music and engaging in music. I identified those six things that give me joy when I say yes to them. And in my life, when I'm not prioritizing those things, I have less energy to do the shoulds. I have less energy to take care of all the other things that need to happen. And I have to begin to organize my life around those joys, just selfishly. Like, this is all about me. It's not about anyone else. Like, I'm saying yes to me because these are my joys and these are the things that are yeses for me, which is a challenge, right? To be selfish, yeah. uh, to be selfish enough to say those things that, like, if I priority wise, this is it is a, is a challenge. So every generator has to go through their process of thinking through what are the joys? What are the things that actually bring you joy? And asking yourself the question of, if this doesn't bring me joy, is it worthy of saying yes to? Even though I could, even though this person's asking me, even though I might be disappointing to them, right. um, can I lean into that? Right. Okay. So that's that's some elements around around your your generator energy. Um, again, it's going to drive everything else that happens. And one of the things that we can begin to pay attention to in in this is that every type has a strategy, and then every strategy has a theme behind it. And the theme for the generator is satisfaction or frustration. That's really going to be some mile markers for us to understand of, again, are we in alignment or not? When we're saying yes to things and we really feel satisfied, it's a deep yes. And when things are getting blocked, we feel a lot of frustration and it can just feel like things aren't moving in the right direction. So I'm just curious, like, what is your experience first and foremost with like frustration? Like, how do you see frustration show up in your life or what do you end up getting frustrated about often? I think things should happen faster. Mm. I think that, you know, if you put in work for something, you don't see the results that you want, that becomes frustrating to me. And that could stem from unrealistic, unrealistic goals or making unrealistic, you know, ideas out of something. And then that turns out to be the way in which things don't show up in the way you want them to. On some level, mm. it's, it's, you know, you, you are the seed to the frustration on some level, but that, that's one that really bothers me. Like, where is it at? Like, you know, fucking hard. I've been working like this is yeah. ridiculous. This is all bullshit. I made it all up. It never going to work. So yeah. like, that's how my frustration kind of comes out at times. It's like I, I put in, I, I feel like I put in so much. And then I look back and there's like, just like a drop of juice in the tangerine. I'm like, I squeezed this thing as hard as I possibly <laughs> can, man. There's like one drop in here. <laughs> totally what, when do you feel satisfied i feel satisfied in the moment like when i'm creating things like that's mm. when everything else falls away 
when I no longer have the past pulling on me or the future, my, the, the unrealistic dreams of what can be in the future, you know, stealing my time. Like right now, in the midst of things, when I'm playing tennis with my daughter or when I'm having a long conversation with my wife, or when I'm doing my podcast, I feel like that is when I am the least frustrated. Hmm. So when you're in the moment with your yes. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So if it's the thing that you feel like is a yes for you, when you're present in the energy of that yes, it feels deeply satisfying. Yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, should be the uh, one of those things that we can kind of look at as a milestone of when you reflect on your day or you reflect on how you're showing up and where you're going and making decisions, where are you feeling that? Because ideally, that should be how we're orienting our lives is to not be in search of that feeling, but to always be present with that feeling, right? It's not about like kind of uh, manufacturing it, but how do I design things in such a way for myself to where I'm leaning into that more and more? And again, like anything, it's a practice. It's not just like instantly going to happen overnight. Um, but the more and more we live in alignment with that, it is going to allow our energy uh, to really show up in this world and help us manifest what it is that we want. So the thing about design is like, it's not that manifestors are the only ones that get to manifest. It's just a term that's put onto kind of what's happening in the chart. All of us as human beings are designed to be living lives in alignment to the way we want to be living. The question is, we get so hung up in what the not self is telling us and how it mm -hmm. ought to be or how it should be. The true self is trying to break out and say, yeah, but if you would just listen to the truth of what's going on inside of you, um, you could have this. And as human beings, we're all trying to figure out what is the language? What is the thing that we can begin to start living our lives in alignment to that'll give us that, that'll give us access to that deeper understanding of who we are and how we're meant to live? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think listening to the heart is something that is difficult to do because it's there's this overwhelming fear that has been cast upon people, whether it's the shadow or you know, whether it's it's a lifetime of conditioning. People know in their heart, and I know for me, like, you know, I've gotten to a place in my life where I can't do things anymore. Like I can't go work at a company where they think I'm a piece of shit. Like I'm not going to, mm. I can't, I can't. And it's scary because you're like, okay, well, if you don't do that, are you going to lose your family? What about money? And like all these other voices, all these other things that have been conditioned into you, they start breaking down, they start knocking on your door. And it's, it's, it's like the monster under your bed, right? Like, Oh shit, that thing might kill me, man. You know, but mm. I think at a certain age or at a certain point of pressure, you begin to understand like, this is it. I got, this is it. I'm, mm. I'm halfway through this thing. Am I going to continue to do this thing that I hate? You know, do I, am I strong enough in my convictions that my family loves me and I'm doing the right thing to continue to go down this road? And that answer, I hope for most people, becomes a resounding yes. It is scary. It is hard. And at times it could look as if the world around you is on fire and you're that meme, you're that dog where the world's on fire and you're like, everything's nothing to see here. Yeah, because you know, it feels like that sometimes, and maybe it is like that. Mm, I, I totally. don't know. Maybe it is like that. Maybe, maybe no one gets out of here alive, and maybe this decision that you've made, 
you get consumed by the flames. But that's that's part of it, I guess, you know, and I think that's where spirituality and faith mm-hmm. comes in. Like, are you going to take the next step? Here it is. You can't yeah. go back. Like there's the flames back there. Right. Are you going to take the next step? Let me help you and, out. Here's a, here's a little piece of food for you. You know, or there's like life, life teases you like, come on, you could do it. I, I, I really feel like life is, is supporting you. Like take this next step. You big pussy. Come on, do it. Yeah. You know, it's like trying to push you. Like you can do it. Growth must be taken and I'm going to help you do it. It's going to be scary, but I'll be right here. You know, and then you start looking at like whatever sort of, you know, a lot of people in the West turn to Christianity. And when I think of the Christianity myth of life helping you out, I think of that poem footsteps. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's something bigger than you that's carrying you or will yeah. carry you if you need it, but you have to have the faith to keep pushing through. I know it's kind of a long answer to it, but yeah. No, <laughs> I totally agree. And I think this is one area where the study of astrology is so fascinating yeah. because ev- when we look at the cycles, the cycles are very supportive to are you gonna are you gonna make a jump or are you gonna stay stuck in your current <laughs> karma? So when we look at like things like the retrogrades, right? Like yeah. a Mercury retrograde that happens about, I think it's about every 18 months or so, yeah. right? Um, there's there's this thing that takes place, this pause for like three weeks where it can get difficult. And depending on how in alignment to yourself you're living, it'll kind of show up and it'll challenge you and it'll give you an opportunity to clear out the karma, of the negative decisions yeah. that you made or the ways that you weren't living in your in your true self. And so- Again, these cycles are always happening. And in your chart, there's transits that are happening. You get the planetary energy in these different ways to like help you and hold you and support you. And other human beings come along and can give you the same thing to help you make that shift into the, again, what is the next step of how you hold your authority? And ultimately, how do you make decisions? And I think this is one of the biggest things that most people are pretty blind to of like how to make a decision. Because they might get totally logical or they might get totally emotional or they get in their head and they'll let their mind go through the process. And what if we let the intelligence of the body actually tell us what it is? Because that's the thing that I believe everybody has, but so few of us are willing to do the work to figure out. There is, there is a way to know it and there is a way that we can do this work and, and it's right, right for you at the end of the day. So one of the things I, I want to show you kind of what a body graph looks like now, yeah, now please. that we've touched on kind of what your, your type is and how this is going to drive a lot of things. I think I can share my screen. Yeah, It should be down at present. I think maybe there it is. And then I can add it to the stage right here. Okay. All right. So this is your your body graph. This is effectively your chart. Um, let just, me just real fast, Jay, because there's going to be people that are just going to be listening to it. So I just want to take a moment to, or maybe you can take a moment to explain it verbally, and then we can talk about it as far as 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 an image, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just kind of walking through you, the the body graph is um, effectively sees all the modalities. Um, mapped to your body. So um, when you look at it, it's built on nine centers. So starting from the top and working our way down, we have the head is the very top triangle. Beneath that is the anja. Beneath that is the throat. Beneath that is the G center or the identity center. Beneath that is the sacral. And beneath that is the root. So that's kind of top to bottom. 
And then moving from left to right, we have the spleen, we have the will center, and then we have the emotional, or it's also called the solar plexus. So those make up the nine centers. And then to those nine centers, there's numbers associated to each center. There's a total of 64 numbers, and those are the I Ching gates, or they're also called hexagrams. So anybody that's familiar with this, they're also called gene keys. Okay, So there's a couple different ways that we can understand this. Um, and you can study just the hexagrams. You could study the 64 hexagrams in its own modality. It has ancient, ancient tradition within the, the um, ancient Chinese have been studying this for a long time. Um, so that's the numbers. So those are called hexagrams or gates. So those are mapped into the nine centers. And then we have what's called definition. And the definition happens when the, uh, uh, the astrology, so we have the traditional nine planets, including the north node and south node, the planet, the earth and the sun. So there's a total of, uh, of those astrological signs. And those signs are in gates. So effectively, if you were to look at this on an astrology map, each planet is going to be in a gate. And then that's what provides definition. So when you see a, a number lit up, that means you have a planet in that number and that's activated for you. Now, when you look at it, you can see centers that are colored in. That means it's a center that's defined and a center that's not colored in means it's open. So for George, he has an open head, an open will, an open solar plexus, and an open root. And so those are the areas of openness. Definition for George is in the Anja throat, identity, sacral, and spleen. So hopefully that, uh, if anyone's listening, again, it can be a lot to try to absorb while you're looking at it and understanding like, just from this, we're going to get kind of all the uh, all the intel of your design. So I don't know what questions you have or what could I expound on further for that? If we could talk about like, what is it, if something is open, does something rush in to fill it? Great question. So the places that we're open are the areas where we um, are constantly receiving and where we're defined is where we're constantly broadcasting. So one area that I want to kind of talk about is that emotional solar plexus for you. So that triangle that's all the way over to the right. Okay. You're completely open in your emotions. And by what I mean by completely is you don't have any um, gates defined. So there's nothing happening. Your, your will, you can see, is open, but you have two gates. You have 51 and 40. Um, so that's going to add a little bit of a different flavor. Your head is also completely open. So when it comes to like, let's talk about the head and then we'll move into yeah. the emotions. The head's a little bit simpler because there's only three gates. Okay. Where you're open in the head is literally you're open to receiving the transmission of ideas. So what's so fun, George, is like when you're, you're just, <laughs> you will receive ideas all day long. You can think so about true. it and you can receive the ideas of other people. Yeah. You don't necessarily, you don't know your own ideas sometimes, right? Like your own thinking can be a little bit of a challenge because you don't even you don't have any gates that are there. So you're literally just open to the broadcast of what's happening. Um, this is also a pressure center. So there's there's the pressure of the head and the pressure of the root. And so sometimes when we're open, because we're constantly receiving from anybody that has a defined head, 
we then can end up attaching to stories that are not ours. And that can be a deep, deep place of conditioning. So if we look at the emotions side of things, and about 50% of the population is emotionally defined, 50% is open here. So this is always a big one because when it comes to relationships and parenting and all the other ways that, I'm, I, that we use human design, this is one area that we always come back to. And it really can help someone understand their relationships because for example, Tiffany, she's defined in her emotions. Like you, George, I'm open in my emotions. And so what ends up happening is I'm always receiving the broadcast of emotions. And I can take in that, that broadcast and then we amplify. So that's what we're doing in these open centers. So if Tiffany's mm -hmm. feeling emotional, then, and again, those emotions can be good. If someone is, is emotionally uh, defined, that's also their authority center. So your authority is here in the sacral, but for someone that's defined in their emotions, this is their authority. Their emotions will tell them what the right answer is, but they have to ride kind of the emotional wave, which typically means there's a period of time that needs to kind of, they need to go through before they're ready to make a decision. So if they're, you know, again, they could be an emotional generator, which means it's still yes or no, but what is the, what are the emotions telling you? And it might come in and be a high yes. And then a couple of days later, it might be a no. And you can kind of go through that process. For us, we can feel like we go on that wave. But what ends up happening is we're being conditioned by the emotionally defined people around us that we have to use our emotions to find an answer. We don't. We are like, we're pretty even keel. Like you get uh, emotionally undefined people around each other, like in a group. We're not talking a lot about the emotions. We're not going big highs, big lows. Like it's pretty even keel. For people that are emotionally defined, it is ups and downs and just big emotions. Again, sometimes that can be negative, right? People think, oh, you shouldn't be emotional. We should only be making logical decisions. Well, it depends on your authority. If you're emotionally defined, you absolutely have to feel those emotions. If you're not emotionally defined, you don't. those emotions aren't yours. Does that make sense? Let me, let me pause there. That was, that was a lot of information about the centers or those. Yeah, two yeah, it does make sense. It, it's, it's interesting to hear that point of view. And I am, I am pretty open and I, me being on this podcast, I think is evidence that I'm open to other people's ideas, man. I, yeah. I amplify them all day long and I can go down the whole road with them and be like, have you thought about that? What about this? What about these things? I can make it my idea. So I can, I can totally live that aspect of it in a lot of ways. And that's, it's also, it's also easy to get caught up in, 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 in those two, you know, like I, I can, like I can, I can imagine what, it, and I think that speaks volumes of what I said earlier when I talked about the things that, that I care about myself that are important to me. And one of those was, you know, being able to be empathetic with other people. I think that that's very similar to having an open mind and seeing mm. other people's ways of, of life. So yeah, I, I can agree with that. And and so this gets into, again, we start digging into yeah. these layers. There's a weave to this whole process, right? So when we look at just right here, there's this channel that's activated for you. It's called, it's the, the 4323. So I don't think, can you see my mouse on the screen? Um, I can't. Okay. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, now I can. I, I could. I just couldn't see the first. Okay. okay. 
So it's right underneath the throat shock, the throat right. So there. from the throat to the anja, right in okay. the middle is that forty three twenty three, and that's called the channel of structuring. Okay. And so the theme of this is kind of freak or genius, and what and this again is what I love <laughs> that's about it. Totally me. <laughs> is and and this is all about your ability. It's all about timing, because if the timing is right. You're a genius. Yeah. If the timing is wrong, you're a freak, right? <laughs> to to the people that are around you. And so yep. what this channel is built on is 43 is the gate of breakthrough, and 23 is the gate of assimilation. So you literally have this ability to assimilate breakthroughs. And the the anja is the center for processing. So if the head is where the ideas come in, the anja is how they're processed. And if you have a connection to the throat, then literally you're talking about processed ideas being spoken. That's what's happening through this channel. You literally have the ability to translate auditory information. You're bringing breakthroughs and epiphanies to people. And again, you can see it happening all the time. Like you love that type of stuff. You have the ability to like articulate new awareness. You have this ability of like evolutionary impact on people. And you're listening, you you may not hear other people. So again, sometimes because of that auditory processing, you're listening within, because this is an individual knowing channel. So this is just about your own self. It has nothing to do even like with listening to others sometimes. It's just about listening to yourself, listening to others. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? I talk to myself all the time. Like I have conversations with people that aren't even here to the point where my daughter will come in and be like, dad, who are you talking to? Yeah. I'm having a conversation with someone that may or may not have happened, or it's a follow-up conversation to this about what I should have said, and then what you would have said, and then how I would have responded, and the way it would have made you feel, and then how I would have felt if you felt that way, and what I would have said if you felt that, like long mm -hmm. internal conversations about all of that all the time. And so what I want to also highlight, and this is, again, the weave of, of digging in, but that the energy of that is driven by in your design um gate 23 is your in your conscious mind your south node and it's also your venus um so sorry no your mercury um so mars sorry i gotta get my astrology it is it is your mars right and and mars is gonna be like where we have immaturity it's gonna be sometimes like the the biggest energy for growth so for example, your life's path is about this idea of structuring the ideas of being the freak or genius for, for other people. This is deep, deep, powerful energy in your chart, something that's absolutely worth paying attention to. About four years ago, at about 44, you made a shift into your north, north node energy, which again is 43. So that idea of really leaning into you know, the breakthroughs. So no surprise, like over the last four years, what you've been on, the path you've been on, the shifts in your life over the last four years, because it really started driving into how do you communicate the breakthroughs? You've been doing the podcast for how long now? I think I started at 43. Yeah. So <laughs> right about so that crazy. time, yeah. you made a shift in your energy to what it is that was ultimately truly, truly kind of meaningful for where you're yeah. headed in, in your life's path. Yeah, that's amazing. So so that's one key channel that's interesting to look at. 
The other thing that I, I wanted to kind of just uh, various elements of the chart that are fascinating are things like this right here, your sun. So the the quantum mechanics that's really cool about all this is based on the idea of neutrinos, which neutrinos are the most abundant particle that has a mass that's in the universe. But it's something that always is passing through us. So the sun is literally always emitting neutrinos. And these neutrinos are the thing that's always passing through our energies and the way that it can actually penetrate through mass. So when we look at the energy of the chart, we have to look at the sun because it's how we receive about 70% of the neutrinos that are in the known universe is coming from the sun. The rest of it's going to come through other planets and, and, and whatnot. And obviously how those planets are uh, absorbing those neutrinos and then passing them on to, to us. So right up here, this channel of 28, sorry, this gate of 28, this is the gate of struggle. And uh, I have this gate in my chart as well. And so I was curious just kind of uh, on, on this path, like how, how is this idea of struggle really showing up? So some of the things that happens in this gate, one, like we're struggling to discover the meaning of life. It is the thing that we're driving to. We're always asking. And you kind of brought up this question a couple different times, like struggling, like what is it that we're here doing? We love to take the hard way or the challenged way. So we don't necessarily like to go down the path of least resistance. We go down the path of like, what's the challenge? Now, you kind of have it also in your Neptune, or um, you have it in your Uranus here. So that's going to add in an energy of like unexpected struggles or mm. things that, that are, are unusual or surprise struggles that show up in, in your life. It can sometimes feel exhausting if struggles aren't engaged with property, right? So you you have the struggle, but if it's not a yes, and all of a sudden you're like fighting a struggle that's a no, that's going to lead to that burnout. But it's from the struggles that you actually have the experience to help others. So when you're teaching or you're giving your wisdom to other people, it's always coming out of a place of, of struggle. Um at the end of the day, though, the question we're often asking ourselves is that like, there's a fear that life may not be worth living. So mm -hmm. you were talking about earlier, like sometimes like there could be a depressive or manic depressiveness yeah. that can kind of show up. And also knowing that maybe earlier in life, there was struggle. Uh, I, I know a little bit of story for you of like kind of what younger years were like. But I was just curious, like, where have you seen struggle or how some of that shown up in, in your life? I think as of lately, you know, for me, the struggle has been finding meaning. Like I'm not interested in doing something that isn't meaningful. If I can't find something meaningful in it, like I, I, I don't spend a lot of time trying to do it. And a, another place where I find struggle is like being enough. Like I want to mm. be enough. I want, and I think most people want to be they want to be enough. They feel as if they're not doing enough or they're not being enough or they're not being something that is, is helping people around them, you know, and I feel selfish sometimes and, and greedy. Like I struggle with that. Like I, I don't want to be, I want to help out as many people as I can. Mostly I want to help out 
like my family. I, I want to be in a better place. I want us to be comfortable. I want us to be happy and healthy. And, and so I struggle with what's important in life and how are my struggles for me important for my family? You know, are my struggles for doing the right thing? Is that, where does that road end? Is something that you dream of and you want to do, is that necessarily good for your family? To what mm -hmm. end? You know, how long are you willing to do something without making any money? Like, well, that's a pretty big struggle, you know? And what does that mean for your relationships? What does that say about you? Is it something your family has done? Like, these mm -hmm. are all things I begin to struggle with. Like, it's it's the, you know, and I I think that that's where I, where I have been struggling recently mm -hmm. in life. So what's so fascinating about that is then w once we look at your son, then we look at the earth and earth is in gate 27. And the way we look at kind of sun earth energy is the earth is what your struggle is grounded in. Mm. It's the, the grounded energy. So gate 27 is the gate of responsibility and caring. Gate 27 <laughs> is all about feeling this deep responsibility of whose problem is it? And frankly, <laughs> they often get manipulated with guilt and they kind of position themselves in life to be the go-to person. Like, oh, George will take care of it. George will take care of it. Like, cause you love to be obligated. Like you love to have something of a need of responsibility that is required of you. Um, it can kind of sometimes show up in that desire to like transmit values, right? So we want to transmit the values to other people. It's a teaching gate. So we want to make sure it's also tribal in its energy. So again, where the 28 is all about the individual struggle, it's grounded in, well, what's the struggle of the tribe? And you're caring deeply for the, the, the challenge of the tribe. And what does the tribe need to be paying attention to? How do I transmit the values of the tribe? But the, the question becomes, whose problem is it? Because sometimes it's easy to just to take in problems that are not yours and then feel like mm. you're the obligated one to have to care. And then all of a sudden we begin providing caring energy that is not, not a yes, but it's actually a no. So yeah. two important energies of, of your chart of struggle and, and nurturing. Now, what's unique about this is this is looking at your on the it's black, right? It's on the left side of the chart, which means this is how you know yourself. This is your personality. This is something that's always available kind of in your, your psyche. Now, on the left side of the chart in red, we have your design. And this is the true self. This is how the world sees you. This is the, if we can tap into it, we can begin to understand, again, like all things, it's not that the not self isn't powerful for us. It's just, can we understand it in its right place? This is how I understand. Like, again, you understand your struggle, you understand mm -hmm. this desire. For others, how they see you and, and your true self at the end of the day, your son is actually in gate 33. So 33, it comes off the throat. It's there at the bottom uh, right-hand corner. And 33 is a gate that's all about privacy. 33 is a gate that says, I need alone time. 33 is a gate that says, I need to look at the past. 33 is a gate that has secrets and likes to keep secrets. 33 is a gate that can sometimes get stuck in the past because it's spending so much time looking at it. 
but ultimately it takes the lessons from the past and is able to move it forward. And then at the end of the day, it's all about sharing the wisdom that they have from reflecting on the past and making sure that the timing is right for that wisdom to come to fruition. So I think that's an interesting thing is, I, again, when I look at the work you've been doing, how you show yeah. up, you love taking private things and exposing it, right? The <laughs> yeah. private elements of what's going on in the psychedelic space or these areas of like privacy and pushing into it and challenging it. Um, and looking at the past and inter interviewing all these interesting people the, of bringing new wisdom to the future, but looking at where it came from in the past. I don't know. How, how does that piece resonate for you? Yeah. Not only does it resonate, but it helps me. Maybe this is what the chart is aimed to do. Like I, I never really thought that deep. Of, like I do do that. Like I, I value my privacy on a level and I, I, I really am comfortable being alone. I would probably be alone all the time if I could be, you know, but I do look at the past and the same way I do that internally is the same way I investigate the subjects with which I'm going to talk about on my podcast. You know, it's interesting to think about the as above, so below principle of that. Like mm -hmm. that is, it's, it's an outward manifestation of what I'm thinking inside. I never really thought about it from that angle, but yeah, I think it, it, and and plan. I just quickly want to touch on on something we haven't looked at yet, but it's that second number that we see on the screen. So you have like 28.5 and then 33.1. That 5-1 is the profile. So you mentioned mm. this at the top, right? People will say like, oh, I'm a 5-1 manifesting generator or you're a 5-1 generator. Well, that 5-1 is your profile. And so to just quickly talk about the one, the one is the investigator. The one is the 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 energy that has an insatiable desire for curiosity, for asking questions, to to do the deep work of investigating and understanding. And so, of course, it makes total sense that you approach that privacy energy with investigative uh, energy behind it, because that's what it means to be an investigator. Um, the only other thing is because we talked about the earth in your conscious, your earth in the unconscious, again, is um, something that is, th there's a few gates in the chart that can sometimes be just like a flag of something that's like, hey, this is, this is worth paying attention to. Again, not good, not bad, but can sometimes be a little yeah. bit more of a challenge. And that 19 is one of those gates. I actually have 19 as well. So I can speak to a little bit of what my experience is like with it. But 19 has this deep desire for intimacy mm. and connection with other human beings. But sometimes it can come off as a little bit needy in the way that it's looking for that intimacy, especially if we're not paying attention to it. And it is deeply, deeply sensitive. In fact, it's something that when someone has this gate, they should never be criticized. And criticism is a death to us. That if anybody criticizes us, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to build up such a wall that we don't let any intimacy in because we can't handle the criticism. Or when we open up and we, we start to make connections with intimacy and vulnerability, and then criticism comes in, it just shuts us right down. And we just react right out of that. And that can be a challenge um, is to know how to handle that energy of criticism because it hits us there and it is, is deep uh, and can be a challenge. So I don't know. Does that, does that resonate? 
Yeah, I think I, I mean, I've had people tell me in my life I should take criticism better. Do you think that that's something that is a learned behavior? But like when we when we talk about the gates like this, and mm -hmm. we talk about these particular, just, just call it this particular gate, is this something we're predisposed to? Or is this something that's conditioned into us? It's something we're born with? Or is this something that if we pay attention to, we can work with it to be better at it? Like, is it, how defining are these? gates this is this is a little bit of the challenge for people is i think there's a a couple different ways we can look at okay. it i look at this as saying with this energy in your chart you should be aware of how you handle criticism yeah you should be able to understand that criticism is always going to be a challenge for you so for example i have this gate i remember very early on Actually, when I so I got married at 21. Before getting married, I went through kind of the premarital counseling with our pastor, mm -hmm. right? Where we talked about the dynamics of our relationships. And and I remember distinctly the pastor saying something along the lines of Jason, you have your your skin is too thin, that your, you know, your wife is always gonna tell you how it is, and you're just gonna have to get thicker skin. You're overly sensitive. And so I kind of took that as, oh, I'm just too sensitive. So I got to change something about myself to not be so sensitive. Well, after 12 years, that never worked. <laughs> like I was betraying something that I am sensitive. I, I have a level of sensitivity that just is always there. So on some levels, I don't like looking at the chart as an excuse of mm -hmm. like, well, screw you for criticizing me. I'm overly <laughs> sensitive and I'm just going to put like bubble wrap right. around me to never receive anything from the world. Right. And yet knowing that when I am in deeper intimate relationship and things like with Tiffany to be like, babe, like I don't really receive criticism very well. So is there another way you could share your perspective with me that maybe doesn't have a tone of criticism? Because there's truth. It's not to say yeah. I'm perfect. I mean, although we all know I am. It's not to say that I'm perfect. It's just to say that if you come at me with a tone of criticism, I'm not going to receive it. And I just need to be okay with that. Um, and then communicate to the key people in my life that if there's something that you want me to, to listen to or grow around, that's great. But can it have an, a tone that isn't critical? Because I'm just not going to hear it from you. Yeah, I I love the idea and the word awareness. Like I think that really helps you become more effective in in changing your behavior or helping someone else change their behavior. And I'm immediately drawn to say you are a really good communicator for someone you love to feel begin having criticisms come your way and able to respond with the you know, I don't really receive it that well. Is there a different way? Like, that's a beautiful statement, my friend. <laughs> and this is where I found learning my chart mm -hmm. and learning to surrender to it. So mm -hmm. w the way we can look at this, uh, and one thing I love about human design is that it's very mechanical. It is not, yeah. emo it does not give a fuck. Like it is just, it is what it is. Right. And it's frankly like a circuit board. This mm -hmm. is your energy flow. This is how energy works for you. So where you have definition is where energy is coming in, where you like, and you're amplifying it for, or sorry, you're, you're broadcasting it into the world where you're open, you're receiving the energy, where you have channels. The channels are like the way of water, right? Water is mm. always going to take the path of least resistance. So how do we begin to understand ourselves 
of I can understand the flow of my energy and where it's at work and where it's not and what things are going to be challenging for me, what things are, are going to not be you know available to me. And can I surrender to that and simply say, this is who I am? And it's a challenge. And that's a bit where we have to come to this place of surrender to just like, can I surrender to this? Like, can and this is the question I'm constantly, this is the grand experience experiment, right? I don't know, but this is the thing I'm really leaning into is can I really surrender to my design? Can I begin to live into it? So, for example, what we looked at today, just at a high level, is what's called your incarnation cross. And we'll kind of start to land the plane a little bit because, again, it can get a little overwhelming if we just keep going deeper and deeper. And again, we've only really cracked the, the tip of the iceberg, George. But the incarnation cross looks at your sun, your earth, and your, both your conscious and your unconscious. So those four energies really become your life's path. And from that, you can begin to do the work that will help you develop your mission statement. So if you want to, like, I'll, can I share my mission statement with yeah, you? Yeah, like, please, man. Please. Like, this is, the, and I want you to tell me if this seems, if what you know of me, does this okay. seem true, right? Okay. So my mission in life is my enthusiasm ignites and expi inspires others, creating focus that transforms. My space is able to observe the past for insights while inviting the possibilities of the future, speaking clarity to the moment. Yeah, I think that's a great mission statement. And I think it defines you in a way that is like a mirror. And that's, <laughs> so, you know, that to me became so freeing when I could actually admit that. That if I said, you know what, if I'm doing that, then it, everything else will flow from that place. But when I think about my decisions, when I think about what my yeses are, when I think about what I'm leaning into, that now becomes a bit of a filter through which, well, am I able to, is my enthusiasm going to ignite and inspire? Because I've definitely been in places where my enthusiasm does not do that. <laughs> People yeah. don't like my enthusiasm or they're intimidated by my enthusiasm or other elements. So first I have to understand is like, is my enthusiasm going to be invited? If it's not, then it's not going to work. Um, and then from there I can begin to work through. And now I have a structure for how I make decisions. I have a structure for understanding my authority. I have a structure for how I'm showing up. And frankly, I have a structure for what's going to work for me and what's not going to work for me. And if I can live in alignment with that, then I'm, I'm able to start to live into that energy of manifesting what I want for my life. How did you craft that sentence? Is that like something you've done after studying your chart for like a long period of time and really beginning to feel who you are? Yeah. So it was about studying, like leaning into all these various elements of my chart, but it was looking at my four gates um, that are in my my earth. So my earth is gate nine. Um, sorry, my sun is gate nine, So, which is all about focus. So you also have gate nine uh, and gate nine is actually your Neptune. So it's at the very bottom. It's the second one up from the bottom. And that's for you, your spiritual path. Your path is all about focus and how do you bring your focus to the right thing? So for me, that's a, that's a massive energy. Uh, another big energy is gate 16, which is the gate of enthusiasm. Now, oddly enough, George, you hold 48, which means when our energies come together, 
we create electromagnetic fields where we connect each other. And it's really beautiful to see in people's charts and partnerships of like, wow, how do our energies work? <clears throat> so that's where my, my enthusiasm comes from. And then in, uh, I also have gate 64 and 63, which are all about observe, observing the past, looking into the future. They're deeply spiritual gates. Um, and those are, those are active for me. So by looking at that and sitting with it and reading about it and understanding it, I also am a five, one profile. So we have a similar energy in our charts there. That's going to lean into to what that is. Um, so that's kind of how, how we land on it. And when I work with clients, I take them through this process of workshopping. If they want to get deep into it of how do you develop your life's mission? What is the path? How, how do you have a mission statement? that can be supportive of you and how can you write it for yourself? Write it, you know, write your, your mission statement at the end of the day. What are like the black lines? Like what do those represent? Like the black lines? So come, the black the lines, lines are all defined by your personality, um, which is the right side of the chart. The red lines are your design. And the mm. way you get those is your personality is what is the planetary alignment when you're born, so it's literally as you come into this plane of consciousness, where the planet's at, your design actually happens 88 days before you were born. Um, and so that's where we start receiving the neutrino stream. Um, you could kind of various ways of understanding like how consciousness comes in. Um, Ra gets really deep in his teachings on that front. Uh, but yeah, 88 days before is when you, the true self comes in. And that's the red. So our life's path is we're conditioned by how we know ourselves, which is our personalities. We're working to understand the interplay of our our true self and how do those two things work together. It's and that's what gives us our, our chart. When you, like, let's say you put up someone else's chart. Like when I look at my chart, from my point of view, like the left-hand side, has the different lines on there. So if, if you put up someone that matched well with you, can you, if you put two charts together, can you see the symmetry of couples that would work well together? So you can see, um, the way I like to look at it is you can see the areas that are going to be challenging of okay. working together. You can see the areas of working well together. Um, all of us have the capacity for working well. It's just, mm -hmm. again, can I understand the language of, of what's going on? Um, but like, let's just say really quick, if you and I looked at like our connection chart, like where do we connect and, and where do we not? Um, let me just pull that up really quick. Yeah. Is that what you're asking for? Do you kind of want to yeah. see? Yeah. Like it, it, I, that's a whole other level I never even thought about. Now, all of a sudden, once you begin to know your chart, you can start looking into the way in which you relate to other charts. And like, what does that mean about relationships? What does that mean about children? Can you see the hereditary personality? Is there hereditary personality? No, it's, there's just so many questions. Oh man. And, and that's where what I love is doing this work has not only been meaningful for my own self-understanding, but it has drastically changed the way that I parent mm. because all of my children are very different, right? As we mm. all know, like if you have more than, your kid is always different from you. Sure. So how do you get insight into your kid? But also if you have multiple children, how do you begin to understand the ways that they're uniquely wired and designed? My oldest is very much like me. He's a manifesting generator as well. 
but my uh, son Jonas and my daughter Evelyn, they're projectors. They're non-sacral beings, which means they do not have a source for sustained energy. So when it comes to chores on Saturday, my oldest done in the first 20 minutes, he's got the energy. He gets it done. My projectors, it is a knockdown fight back and forth of, of who's doing what, when are they happening? They don't have the energy for it. And projectors are, can be, be challenging because they show up in this world very differently. Mm. And so I found Tiffany and I have started doing workshops for parents of understanding their children's design. In fact, Ross said part of his whole, like when all this came to him, he realized this is actually for the children. Because what happens if we start raising our children, not from a mindset of conditioning, but actually permission to be who they are. And that has become part of Tiffany I's experiment is how do we raise our children with giving them permission to work in their energy versus conditioning them, especially for our non-sacral children. Now, Bristol, she's sacrally defined. So of the six of us, half of us have sacral energy um, and half of us don't. Tiffany is a manifester. So she's only 8% of the population. And manifestors have traditionally had very difficult times in relationships. And I'll say one of the reasons why Tiffany and I have begun to work so well in our relationship is we work to understand each other's charts. Um, we work to understand, you know, for her, what does it mean to be a generator? Uh, or sorry, to be a manifester. And, and then how am I showing up? And yeah, it's just, it's, it's game changing. So George, here's our chart. Okay. Um, so what's cool is, um, again, this is getting a little into the weeds. Let me see if I can zoom in a little bit here. Um, make this a little bigger. So something that's always fun to look at in a chart is your, uh, it's called your, your, your definition can either be split. It could be a single split. It can be a lot of different things. So I don't want to get all into those weeds to can just further confuse everyone. But um, one of the things that's really cool here is we both have what's called a small split definition, meaning our circuitry is not complete. There's some people that are single defined. And that means the flow, like we're talking about, again, the path of least resistance, it'll, it'll flow for them. For you and I, we have some gaps. So for example, your anja and throat are connected, but it doesn't connect you to the identity, the sacral, and the spleen. So you know yourself almost kind of on these two little islands. So yes, you have the definition of that, again, that structuring, that beautiful ability to bring ideas but it's not connected to the sacral. In fact, the sacral is working on a different kind of level. Now, when you come into the energy that has the gates of 1, 7, 13, 16, or 20, you're going to get complete. For me, I need someone that has the gates of 27, 48, 52, or 57, and I'm going to know myself. Well, when we come together, we actually complete each other, as cheesy as that might sound. <laughs> but I have gate 57. Uh, sorry, you, you need gate 20. I have gate 20. Um, you need gate 16. I have gate 16. I need gate 48. You have gate 48. I need gate 57. You have gate 57. 
So anytime, again, you can see the applications of this for business or yeah. other ways is that when you're working, it's like, wow, when we come into our each other's energy, we actually get access to something about who we are that we don't get when we're alone. And so, for example, 48 is the gate of depth, always wanting to know more. How much deeper can you go? Well, when you pair that with my enthusiasm, well, all of a sudden we create that electromagnetic channel together that says, ah, you know what? How how deep can we go? How further can we go to to explore? Um, and that creates some really powerful, powerful energy for a connection with another human being. So a bond, right? George, you yeah. and I, we've been hanging out for over yeah, a year. Yeah, absolutely, There's man. There's always been this interesting bond. Well, now we can look at it and say like, wow. In the bottom right, we can see all of our electromagnetic channels, the channel of power, the channel of perfected form, the channel of brave wave, the channel of wavelength and rhythm and abstraction. We have a lot of electromagnetic channels. And so no surprise that when we've connected um, and, and been in each other's energy, there's something that kind of sparks and and we know ourselves in some way when we get into each other's energy. So you can do this with your partner, with your wife, with your kids, and it can really begin to show some areas of, uh, of struggles in a relationship. It can begin to show some areas of opportunity and growth uh, and can become to, to be really powerful. This is pretty in the weeds when it comes to looking at charts, but is definitely a, a powerful element of what's what's available in human design. It blows my mind. I was speaking with uh, Anya Siebert, who's from Slovenia, and she was talking about human design, and she actually uses it in uh, HR, you know, to yeah. help businesses find people to help them solve problems. And when I start looking at the charts like that, especially the one where it's two people's charts, and then in the middle, you talk about the different sort of magnetism between people. You know, for so long we've been using words like animal magnetism, or I get, that person gets it, or I feel like they understand. Like, it really starts to bring into the picture the the clarity of those words when you can see someone's mm -hmm. interactions like that, and then you could back it up by here's your charts, here's what it says, how do you guys feel? Now you can put a real measuring stick there with that, and possibly create is there, is there is there some areas where it could be dangerous though jason like do you think that like on some level you're starting to you know you these people seem to be superior on some mm -hmm. level or these people are these people are great workers you know i, I guess all information could be used in a nefarious way but what do you yeah think? i mean i think to me it becomes dangerous when it becomes limiting mm, to say okay. oh you're a generator so you can all you're only right. this you're only right. that right it becomes dangerous when it try when we try to create a dogma from it, right? right? Like any personality tool, the number one challenge I get from people is, well, you know, my birth time can't tell me who I am. So don't like they instantly kind of like snub it, right? And say, right. like, I don't think this is right or this isn't true for me. This can't I like I'll know myself. And frankly, at the end of the day, to me, like that is someone that's like their ego. Like they, they want their ego to tell them who they are. Right. 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 Because it's challenging to, to yeah. actually sit with <coughs> the true self. But yeah. if the ego takes over this, um, this tool and it uses it as a way of structuring dogma or structuring a, a religious type of belief that it's only this way or it's only that way, that's where it can become uh, really, you know, damaging, I believe, and, and dangerous. Um, and, and then when someone 
in their own limiting belief says, oh, I can't do that because I'm I'm only a manifesting generator. Or I can't do that because I'm a generator. I can't manifest. I can't have what I want because yeah. all I get to do is respond to the universe. So if all I am is responding, then universe, give me something to respond to. And all of a sudden, we just start taking a very apathetic approach to, mm. to what it is. The chart is empowering. The chart right. is really meant to give you unlimited capacity. How to, But also understanding that nothing that's fully unlimited is actually ever supportive to us. I believe that to truly create, we need boundaries, right? To, to the true creation process are built on limitations. No person can do all things. We all have limitations. So how valuable would it be if we actually understood those limitations, how to work within those limitations, and then create the most beautiful life we could ever create? Yeah, it seems to me to be an incredible tool for self-discovery. When we start looking at the different, you know, if, if you zoomed way out, is could you say that each person is like the own gate in a giant body? Uh, it's, it's a beautiful mosaic. <laughs> it is. A human design the study of human design will never end because every human being is a unique fraction mm. and fractal of this massive right. mosaic that is human design. And so anyone that's teaching this or anyone that is coaching around it or using it, I encourage people to really listen to how someone's talking about it. Because if they're talking about it in limiting ways or telling you what does it mean to be a generator and 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 not giving you the permission to bring your experience to it, they're just teaching a, a dogmatic version of this. I look at it from a perspective of saying, George, we talked a lot of content, like a lot of things today, a lot yeah. of different stuff. You ultimately get to decide what lands, what's right. And then as you do the deeper work, beginning to understanding your power of it. Now, that said, yeah. I've definitely done chart readings or chart sessions with people. Um, maybe someone that's a projector and, and the projector, again, their energy is about invitation, right? If we're about responding, projectors are about being invited. And I've worked with some projectors that are like, nope, I don't need to be invited. I can do whatever I want to do. Like, I don't need an invitation. And that's the, and they just will see like, yeah, none of this makes sense. None of this is for me. This isn't right. And that's great. I, I will frankly look at that as someone that's not ready for the transmission. It's like, you're just not ready to, you're not there. Like you're pretty still in the not self. That's great. Like I don't, I don't need to convince or defend or manipulate anybody into believing this stuff. You are the sovereign being and you get to decide what resonates about this and what doesn't. Yeah. I, lo I love the idea of experiences and knowledge and teachings being, being a lens or a microscope or a book through which you can make your own discoveries through. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start looking at things and I, you know, I really like the idea of the fractals because like you look at the Mandelbrot set, like the deeper you yeah. go, the more, the more symmetry you see. And so you could begin with a question of like, you know, d does your, the way you respond to the world, what does that mean? And then all of a sudden you just do this deep dive of the relationships you have with people. Like you can get some real work done on who you are and the vehicle that you choose to go down that path on while relevant may not be the ultimate relevance, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like whatever vehicle you're choosing to, to go down, like there's a lot to see. There's a lot mm -hmm. to investigate. 
And if you find a vehicle that's very comfortable for you, that makes sense and that is, is, is there, like, I'm all for it, man. I'm constantly a, along for the ride. Like, I, I, I think it's wonderful. And I, I look forward to investigating more of it. You know, I would like to sit down with my family and check out the charts together, you know, and see the symmetry there and stuff like that. So absolutely. And I think just as we, as we kind of land the plane of that vehicle, the thing I just want to encourage everybody on is that the, the most important vehicle that we have is the vehicle of the body. Yeah. The body is it. And we are all on a path of how do we get out of the thinking mind, which Mm -hmm. it would like to be in the driver's seat of this vehicle. And can we get to the place of surrender to where the thinking mind can be in its appropriate seat, which is not out of the car. That's where I think a lot of people get mistaken is they think, oh, I got to kill the thinking mind or the ego. No, no, no. It just needs to be in the passenger seat or maybe the back seat, and not as a backseat driver, but as an observer, as someone that can just enjoy the ride that the vehicle is taking them on. And the vehicle is the body. And the more we can get in tune with the wisdom of our bodies, the more we can be in tune to like, what is the body telling us and really listening to the body, the more I believe we can live in attunement with our higher selves. And, uh, and when we live with the attunement to our higher selves, man, that's, that's where some fun stuff happens. So I just saw Clint said, Hey, what's up, Clint? Yeah. Clint Kyle's Benjamin George is up there earlier, both two incredible human beings and both if you're watching this show, you should check out both of them. They're super awesome people. Yeah, love those guys. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, I think just in closing, the vehicle, the vehicle of the body, that regardless of whether it's human design or it's other practices, but whatever, whatever we can be leaning into, how do we love this and keep coming back to it as our place of wisdom? And I believe we're we're making some steps in the right direction. Yeah, I think we are too. And I think that you're an awesome part of that, Jason. Like ever since I've known you, you've been doing things that help out not only the community, but help the fabric of understanding relationships, man. And that's one of the reasons I love you, man. You're an amazing person that is enthusiastic. And I love your mission statement. And I look forward to continuing to see all the work you're doing. But before I let you go, man, like what do you have coming up? Like what if someone saw this today and they were like, that was amazing. I would like to talk to Jason or if they want to reach out to you for some of the other things that you're doing, where can they find you? Absolutely. Everything right now is at The Rooted Rebellion. So if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me under, uh, that's that's my name. Uh, You head to the website, therootedrebellion.com. Um, if you want to book a human design coaching session, um, get into your chart, begin to do that. The, I have my Calendly links and, and what that looks like all there. Obviously, um, I love doing coaching sessions. Typically, when I do work around human design, um, I like doing an initial session, but more often than not, I like to be able to do some coaching around it. So you know, when you're looking at getting stuck in life or trying to get unstuck, or making career decisions, or making relationship decisions, um, being able to uh, to have some coaching to get through that can be really supportive. So check out the website, check out Instagram. Those are the places I'm most active. Yeah, and I, I would highly recommend anybody who's interested or felt that they connected to this conversation, reach out to Jason. He's really good at what he does, and he's got a lot of tools in the tool bag to, to help you unstuck yourself if you find yourself mm-hmm. going down that road. And he's really fun to talk to. He's a passionate and caring person. So ladies and gentlemen, That's all we got for today. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. I hope you follow your dreams. And that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Aloha.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.